was week 29, chapters 7, verses 10 through 19. And if you remember, the last chapter was Dhyana Yoga. And the last verse in that chapter on the perfection of meditation was, Of all the yogis, one with great faith who always abides in me, thinks of me within himself, and renders transcendental loving service unto me, he is the most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. So then as we jump to the seventh chapter, now we're, we're learning more how to focus our mind on Krishna based on who Krishna is. So then the first, first text of the seventh chapter is saying that one who um, practices this yoga in full consciousness of me, this, this highest yoga he was discussing at the end of the sixth chapter, <clears throat> with mind attached to me, he can know me in free, full, free from doubt. So then he, he starts to explain there's two types of energy. There's the phenomenal, and then there's the, the noumenal. The noumenal is like the, the, is the soul, is a spiritual energy. The phenomenal is the external world. Um, so then he explains the, the inferior um, energy, earth, water, fire, air, ether, and the superior energy, which is the soul. And then he starts to describe, well, actually in text 7 he says, I am the highest truth. So there's no truth superior to me. So he talks about the numinous and the phenomenal. And then he says, I am the truth. Everything rests on me like pearls are strong on a thread. And then he starts to get into uh, his, his, like, his, um, his, like, energies, impersonal energies. Like, I'm the fragrance of the earth. I'm the light of the sun and the moon. So he's going to continue on that trend. And as we continue to go further in chapter 7, we're going to realize much more deeply who Krishna is and how we can fully meditate on Krishna. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> okay, you want to share? Okay, so I took the port, uh, part of the purport out of um, verse 10, first one. It's at the end of the purport, I believe. And it says, uh, the quote is, One cannot do anything without intelligence. And Krishna also says that he is the root of all intelligence. Unless a person is intelligent, he cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. And so... Um, I actually was doing some research on this particular thing, and I ran into some information that was given by uh, His Grace Chaitanya Charandas. Okay, and I thought he really addressed this really well. Um, so, um, from the Bhagavad Gita 1830, uh, the verse in that is, O son of Purtha, that understanding by which one knows what ought to be done and what ought not to be done and what is to be feared, and that is not to be feared, what is binding and what is liberating is in the mode of goodness. So I'm explaining the understanding of the uh, quote I gave. And His Grace Chaitanya Charanda says, Intelligence means to know which thoughts uh, to contemplate and which to neglect. Okay? So one must uh, use a pure intelligence, not a lazy, busy, or foolish intelligence in order to understand the Supreme. Okay. So my application of that is uh, first, chant the holy names. 
because that purifies our minds. And that's a quick way of doing that, or not quick, but it's a it's an immediate way we can do that, and to get in a way of a right way of thinking. Um, and also from Chaitanya Charandas, uh, quote unquote, he explains this by saying as an application, to those among our thoughts, um, we first need to become aware that our thoughts are different from us. Such awareness is fostered by Gita wisdom. It explains that our core, we are souls, who are presently covered by a subtle body and a gross body. And our subtle body is the mind that is the generator of thoughts and the intelligence that is the evaluator of those thoughts. Uh, the Gita indicates that robust intelligence, intelligence situated in the mode of goodness, elevates thoughts dispassionately based on whether the consequent actions are productive or counterproductive. Studying the Gita regularly sharpens our intelligence, equipping us to recognize which thoughts are beneficial and which are unbeneficial. And living the Gita by practicing bhakti yoga connects our finite intelligence with the infinite intelligence, thereby increasing dramatically our ability to act intelligently, that is, transform our, benefit, uh, transform our beneficial thoughts into productive actions. So I thought that application was better than I could ever you know, come up with in my own words. But, yeah. Do you mind reading the discovery again real quick? The discovery, I want, sure. I want to hear it in the context of what you just said. Yes, okay. The discovery was one cannot be, uh, do anything without intelligence. And Krishna also says that he is the root of all intelligence. Unless a person is intelligent, he cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. I just, okay, um, it's a quote from Srimad Bhagavatam that I just, it just melted my heart, so I'm just going to read it. <laughs> so, um, it says, the devotees are always in my heart, and I am always in the heart of the devotees. The devotee does not know anything beyond me, and I also cannot forget the devotee. There is a very intimate relationship between me and the pure devotees. Pure devotees in full knowledge are never out of spiritual touch. And therefore, they are very much dear to me. I just, I just love reading that. Um, and I mean, the under, what understanding and everything is like right there. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think I can discover anything else than what is there. Um, but it was just very, yeah, it was just so beautiful, and uh, it's, it's just so heartwarming, and it really does give us a picture of who he is, of his heart, and his his outreach to us, and uh, it's just, everything is just there, and it was so beautiful, because I just pictured him, like, I just had a picture in my head, like, of him, and then he, him just saying this to his devotees, or his beloved and oh, I was just, I was just in, in this picture in my mind I was in the park but I was somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> you were imagining him saying that to you right yeah <laughs> well um, to the devotees I was in the bunch like in, in the there? back like yeah I was like in the back like I want to be there I want to be I want to be that person right there yeah yeah so yeah, for me, um, 
my application is just to keep keep going for it, keep chanting, keep reading, keep not giving up. Because that's um, sometimes I've I've run into these things like before. Sometimes it's like thoughts come into your mind like, oh, you'll never get there. Like you're, you're like look at you, you did this or you did that or whatever. You like um, God saw that. You know, like, God saw that. Or something like that, and you're in your mind, you, you think, like, oh, man, like, such a horrible person and all this stuff. Like, like woes me, right? Um, but it's it's ridiculous. We should focus on Krishna instead of focusing on, oh, even in that way. Even in that way, we get so involved in, like, me, me, me. Like, oh, I'm such a bad devotee. I'm such a bad whatever. It's still me. So let's just focus on Krishna. And this morning, actually, when... Um, Javita, Javita was saying how um, he was talking about how we shouldn't criticize and things like that. Um, he was always saying, "Be in the mood of glorifying, always." So I, and he was talking about devotees, but I took it way deeper. I was like, I shouldn't criticize myself either. Like I should always be in a glorifying mode to myself and to others, and that way, that mentality will encourage instead of. The, the opposite. So, yeah, that's my application. There's that concept you probably heard of fanning the spark. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that um, when you read that, Krishna was saying that when those who are always on the spiritual touch, they're very, they're very dear to me. So, when you're seeing yourself as separate from matter, you're seeing yourself as a spiritual being. Um, you can, you can glorify. Not in a false egoistic sense, but you can glorify that that part of you that is part and parcel of Krishna. And as we're meant to fan other sparks, we can also fan our own spark. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we're tooting our own horn. <laughs> it's a difference. But we can we can encourage our purposeful um, choices to choose um, spiritual topics, spiritual activities over the material activities. Because that's really like, if we're, if we're to praise ourselves, it's simply for making that choice. Yeah. And then, because Guru and Krishna is presenting that option, and then we have the choice, like, like you were saying about the mind and the intelligence. We have, a, we have a choice to reject that or to accept that in any given moment. So we can pat ourselves on the back and say, okay, good, you chose that time, you chose the right thing. And uh, with the mercy of Guru, and Krishna. But still, that choice is up to us. Mm-hmm. We still can... That's ultimately left up to us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, sure. Oh, there's, a, there's a line in the, in the purport in 714. <clears throat> it says... Um, where is it? Another meaning of guna is rope. It is to be understood that the conditioned soul is tightly tied by the ropes of illusion. Uh, immediately, this really jumped out at me because, like last couple of days, I've been um, I've been talking to some people online, <clears throat> and um, you might have seen a post that I, I recently put something about like it's it's insane that I have to try and convince people that they're not animals, and well, well, the context of it is. You know, speaking, well, I was, there's this video of this uh, popular uh, advocate for, for veganism. And he had this video 
where he says, I think that everyone should be vegan. Try and convince me. You know how they do that. And the person that sat down and spoke was, uh, he was, um, he understood the reasons, like the, the, the green, the reasons for doing it as far as like going green, you know, for the environment, those kind of things. But from a moral standpoint, he just couldn't, he couldn't understand it. And what, what was really like hard for me to sit and watch is the fact that they both agreed on the fact that they both think that they're animals. So as long as, as long as you think that you're an animal, right? It talks about, you know, the guna being understood that is a rope being tied by the ropes of illusion. The illusion is that we're convinced that we're nothing more than these bodies. So that, if that's true, that we're not more than these bodies, then we're equally, we're just like the animal. Who's all he's doing is sleeping, eating, mating, and defending, right? They have no idea. Otherwise, this is all they're preoccupied with. And I, I feel like so many humans, understanding that they have the capacity, the brain power, to be able to think beyond or, or go beyond these animal propensities, they still subject themselves to that. They still succumb to that, you know, to that lower nature or lower consciousness. Um, and I just, it's just so mind-boggling to me to hear and see how many people actually agree with that idea that we're nothing more than just animals. So as long as you accept this idea, then Earthling Ed is, you know, he wants to be, um, he wants to be effective in his, in, his, in his preaching of everyone should be vegan. But I just, I see so many flaws in it because he'll never be able to reach the people that are justifying their, their animal killing with, you know, with, with scripture, with religion, or with this idea that we're nothing more than animals. So essentially, he'll never be able to reach these so people. He's kind of like defeating his own argument. He's defeating his own argument. Were you actually talking to him? Like, no, I, I, well, I, I wrote something, but he, I knew he's not going to read it. Yeah. I just tried to tell him certain things that are found in the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam that can help him. They can give him a little bit more, you know, ammo. Uh, but I don't think he'll read it, and I don't yeah. think he'll really take it serious. But my point is, like, we always talk about that if the equation's wrong, then we can't expect to get to the, to the right conclusion or the right answer, something like that, right? Like, if you start off on the wrong foot, that kind of idea. So, I just realized just how tightly bound by the ropes of illusion everyone in this world is, and, like, we really desperately need Krishna. Even in the mood of fitness. Like, to get out of this, this matter. Um, so, for me, I was trying to explain that I was just trying to explain that there's more than just, you know, the reasons that you mentioned to want to give up this, 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 uh, this thing, whatever you want to call it, eating meat or enjoying animal flesh. There's actually spiritual reasons that, that supersede all these other reasons that you're talking about. But as long as you're tightly bound by the ropes of illusion, the best that you can do is just basically present what, what you know. And even what you know is flawed. So anyway, that's just something that I wanted to share with you. Um, I guess that's my understanding, my discovery and understanding. My application is <clears throat> so just to continue to, uh, to, to be in a surrendered and humble state to learn. Um, because the only way that we can actually gain any kind of realization is if we're in that humble state to really acquire this knowledge like Krishna is giving us this knowledge. 
and it's there, but it's only when we're humble in a state of humility that we can actually have these realizations. And yeah, that's all I can do is for me is I can help myself and then I can help those who wanna who are who are interested and and who want who need help and, and who are asking for it. But I, I can't help those who, who who feel like they, they don't need it. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, that's all I wanted to share. That makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, without God, it's it's all relative. Because yeah. you can make as many arguments as you want, but then there's counter arguments. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I can argue if there's no God, I can argue against His points. If He's saying we're just animals, and then I can say, well, what's the ultimate what's consequence? The there is no consequence ultimately. Yeah. Like if you say I shouldn't do this, <clears throat> but I want to do it. I'm just an animal, and you're just an animal, and they're animals, and animals are killing and eating each other, so, yeah. like, ultimately, who cares if you're right or I'm right? It doesn't ultimately make a difference. Exactly. So I'm just going to enjoy my life and eat more meat. <laughs> and that's, a very, so that's a very interesting point, because I remember when I was, uh, you know, when I turned vegetarian after that, that very brief time working in the slaughterhouse, and... Uh, in Texas, Austin, Texas, I got a job and it paid really well. And I, I, I was eating meat at that time. Uh, and I went in and um, I didn't know what the job... I, I did, they told me it was a... It was a... It was a I, thought, I, I thought the job was going to be totally different than what it was. And it wound up cleaning after no they had way. done everything. Yeah. No way. And so when, when, when that happened, I lasted... Uh, I lasted... Uh, about a half an hour to 45 minutes. And they just hired me. Oh and at that time, and that was in the early 80s, so at that time, um, uh, they were paying like 15, 16 an hour in the early 80s, which was high pay, you know. Mm. And uh, so when I was going to school at the University of uh, Texas, so, um, and they offered me a part-time position. So I only work on weekends, and I couldn't make that money, type of money, and I had a job. You know, I only had two days, I had to work. You know, so I went in that day, but I just, I, I went, and I was hearing the pigs screaming as they were being slaughtered, things like that. I said, okay, that's it. I can't do this. I just can't do this. I can't do it. And after seeing that, I said, that's it. I'm never eating meat again. And I, I hadn't touched it since. So the thing is, is that it was, but I, and so it wasn't too long after that, I moved in with, with some Sikhs because they were, they offered a room for rent very cheap. And I moved in there and they were all vegetarians. So I actually learned from them how to at least eat somewhat healthy, you know. And they, yeah, and they were talking to me about this, and I then got a little bit of a. I just did it because I I couldn't stand being cruel to some other creature that I I had too much compassion, you know. I just couldn't do that, and uh, and it was an eye-opening experience for me. But the Sikhs gave me something beyond that, because. You know, they do have a certain philosophy about that sort of thing. At least certain type of Sikhs do. Some Sikhs do eat meat, but some don't. But anyway, it was just this sort of... So I did have a little bit of that. And I did kind of take that in. Because I was always kind of pious, you know, in the way I did things. But so, um, but anyway, that's my little story about that. But yeah, but once you... If you're on just a platform just saying, well, I'm doing it just because of... You know, I think it's just a bad thing to do. You know, well, okay, you know, but explain, at least in a material level, about compassion for other creatures, 
that you don't look at yourself as being inferior or superior to somebody else or some other creature. You know, at least have that. You know, but they don't even argue that that's sometimes. The thing. That's the problem. That's they don't even so argue that level. I'm just cringing my teeth because you know this 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 Christian dude is sitting there talking about how he is he's just following like God's he, order. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, how he's like superior to all animals, to all oh, other species true. of life. And he's yeah. like, oh yeah, we're superior. We're and they're all inferior, and he's referring to it as, oh, there's not that. They're not persons. They don't have. They don't have a soul, essentially. And the you know this earthling Ed guy, he just doesn't know what to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Because here he is. He's trying to. He can't defeat. He that. can't he's defeat it. <laughs> because 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 here goes. You know, that's the problem. That's why I'm just cringing my teeth because they they, they don't have knowledge. They don't have tr- the real knowledge. You know, all they have is just like you said. You know, yeah. Let's let's be more compassionate. And let's, you know, let's think about the environment, sustainability, all these right, different right. causes, or they're experiencing pain. But here you are, you're saying that we're, like you said, if we're, if we're both just animals, then what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? You know, if I'm an animal, you're an animal, what's the purpose? It's like really, There's no God. It's like really talks about materially speaking, yeah. no one's equal. Yeah. So if you're a Christian, you could get away with that. Like, obviously, we're a little more intelligent, and we can dominate right. the animals. Right. Yeah, the Sikhs taught me how the fact of, of the God element in there, that, that, that you know, the idea of this is morally wrong, you know, to eat meat. So at least I got that from them. Right. You know, this idea of a little higher way of looking and justifying that. Right. And so that just fed my, my reasoning behind it. A little side note of that is when I did quit the job, I went to the guy who hired me, because I, I quit within 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And I came back and he said, just tired of what we're talking about. You know, he was like, oh. And I said, how do you work in here every day in this environment and hear that and see that and go home and look yourself in the mirror? How mm-hmm. do you do that? And he looked at me like, like he, his eyes were as dead as the animals. Yeah. That's not you know, there's just nothing, just a total disconnect. He, he thought I was from outer space or something. Yeah. He looked at me. You know, it's like, this is, oh, you silly hippies, get out of here type right. of thing. That's probably what his attitude was, you know. It's just, well, and, and you know, psychology I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand it. It was the psychology they call that sociopath. So, yeah, I mean, they were psych- they didn't do psych- you can't, psych- you can't, you can't feel any, any, any emotions from somebody else. Right. Like, you're totally, like, basically, like, sociopaths, they can, like, basically, if they do that, murder and feel nothing. Feel nothing. Yeah, insanity. So, big ups to those Sikhs, man, because you'd have been in a house full of Christians, they would have been convincing you with the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. It was really weird. <laughs> I got that. that I just played the... You really see Krishna's hand in that whole... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I look back on, on my life and in instances like that, now I can see those things. But before, when you're in it, you just didn't. <laughs> but it was like, wow. thing that I want to share is that I really see just how like I really value our scriptures like so much like more so now than I mean I've, I've always valued them but when I see the kind of distortions the kind of you know yeah the kind of distortions that other scriptures are having to deal with and and their so-called followers of these scriptures have to wrestle with these things and so many contradictions that essentially what they're doing is they're just turning so many people off to the scriptures altogether. And it's like, I, I almost try to, I want to fix this, but I can't fix this. 
Because even if I present something, then someone thinks I'm presenting something that's not Scripture. You see what I mean? Because if I present Scripture, what they consider Scripture is what's been presented to them. So this is what they know. And this is Scripture. Yet they're wrestling with that Scripture. They can't find peace in that Scripture. They can't find any kind of conclusive evidence to do anything. So they're struggling. And then when you want to present something, because truly... If you go far, if you go back far enough, you can actually find the essence and you can find a more, uh, you know, a more pure message that's being, that's being, you know, broadcasted and, and given. But because of, we don't have that problem as much because we have, we have this parampara so system of, of guru, disciple, disciple surrendered to guru and so on and so forth. So this, this, the scripture is the, the scriptures have been preserved in such a way where these other scriptures, again, you have people that are justifying their animal killing and meat eating with the scriptures. And then some people who are, you know, using scripture to say that we shouldn't eat meat because it's like there are scriptures there that can essentially point people in both directions. Yeah. And it's so confusing. Yeah. But this is what people have to deal with in this world. This is the, the disaster, the mayhem that's going on in, in this material world. So... I'm just, I'm really grateful for clear instruction, a parampara system, guru, disciple. I'm really grateful. You can truly corroborate like all these facts that line up. Yeah. As opposed to they're taking like Jesus' words, but then those aren't even no. necessarily his words. Right. <laughs> that they're presented. I think like what Prabhupada did, what, what we do, what we're becoming more expert at, is the only way to defeat the Christians is to use their scriptures. Yeah. Because they're not they're not gonna like you said, they're not gonna take any other evidence. They're not gonna take no. our scriptures. Except for their scriptures. Right. So you have mm-hmm. to use their scriptures. Right. Hey, we were there at some point. That's what I've been yeah. doing. Yeah. That's what I've been doing now. <laughs> but because we have the deeper knowledge we can like purport it in a deeper exactly. way. But we have to always go back to their scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> and we can also see their uh, what Jesus was really saying through how we Exactly. And that's this, the thing, is, this is know? the value of having our, you know, the ancient Vedas. Or and, and that's the way with this with any of the great, you know, prophets and, and, and people that were that were telling, speaking the truth in different ways. But they were speaking the same truth. It was just they were presenting for the time, place, and circumstance. Uh, Muhammad, you know, you can see the things, but they've distorted that too. As long as they totally yeah. twisted, you know, Man, and twisted everything. So it just it's sad. It makes, <coughs> it makes sense in the context of Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Then it, it makes sense. sense. But if you don't have that, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. yeah. All right. This is Mari Mohini. She chose from text fifteen, chapter seven. So the civilized form of human life is meant for man's reviving the lost consciousness of his eternal relation with the supreme truth. The personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, who is all-powerful. Our understanding. One is covered by the material energy and under the influence of maya or illusion, and therefore one has forgotten that one has an eternal relationship with the Lord. Everyone has one and it needs to be uncovered. This life is the opportunity to do this. It can be done through surrendering to, to the Lord and practicing devotional service. Application. I have surrendered to the Lord and practice devotional service, and will continue to do so. I have a feeling that my eternal relationship to the Lord is that of a beloved towards his beloved. But I hope this clarifies further as I progress on the path of Krishna consciousness. And that is guaranteed mm-hmm. by the Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. <coughs> yes. It says, 
you will fully realize our identity in relation to Krishna through sincere practice, mm-hmm. without a doubt. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you, Mara Mohini. Um, I chose the same section you chose. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, <coughs> but I didn't focus on um, the animal. Yeah. Aspect, which, that was actually that was a very good conversation. All right. So this is from seven fourteen purport. Another meana, meaning of guna is rope. It is to be understood that the conditioned soul is tightly tied by the ropes of illusion. A, ma- a man bound by the hands and feet cannot free himself. He must be held by a person who is unbound. Because the bound cannot help the bound, the rescuer must be liberated. Therefore, only Krishna or his bona fide representative, the spiritual master, can release the conditioned soul. Without such superior help, one cannot be free from the bondage of material nature. Devotional service or Krishna consciousness can help one gain such release. Krishna, being the lord of the illusory energy, can order the can order the instrument energy to release the conditioned soul. He orders this release out of his causeless mercy on the surrendered soul and out of his paternal affection for the living entity. I'd like to mention in regard to what you were saying, um, Radhasundri, that um, if we focus on our conditioned nature. It's not, realize, it's not realizing that we can't be free from our conditioned nature unless um, the Lord frees us. So it's not very helpful for us to focus on it unless it's in the sense of trying to do better. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of kind of mm-hmm. like deep complaining, complaining deep guilt, mm-hmm. like perpetual focusing, then that's not very helpful. So this is um, Sri the Prabhupada explaining Krishna's own words that this material energy consisting of the, this divine energy of mine consisting of the three modes is very difficult to overcome. Those who have surrendered unto me could easily cross beyond it. Um, so therefore surrender unto the lotus feet of the Lord is the only means to get free from the clutches of the stringent material nature. It's just, I like that word stringent. Stringent. <laughs> Bound, very um, so understanding by realizing our condition to be one of utter bondage only then can we develop the proper mood of full surrender maintaining some belief in Maya's false presentation stifles and diverts our mind from taking full shelter of the spiritual energy the deep realization of hopelessness and need for being saved enables us to deeply and truly call out with sincere feeling to the Lord and his devotees so we maintain some belief that we're free. Like we maintain some belief that we have actually have some freedom. So that's a, a realization that I aspire for is to know I don't I'm totally bound and need help. <laughs> so application. I am bound hand and foot by the illusory energy since time immemorial. So this is a little prayer. Dear Lord. Let me fully realize this sobering truth, using such realized knowledge as an impetus to dive deeper into thoughts of you. Let my voice echo this pitiable state, and please hear my cry for help, my dear Guru Krishna and Vaishnavas. It is by your mercy alone that I may one day be free from the suffocating grasp of your external energy. <coughs> so, like joking.
spiritual progress I have is because Guru, mm-hmm. Guru Dick pulled me out of yeah. the muck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it like, really is muck. It's disgusting. It's, it's like the, uh, you know, like the like homeless person who's, you know, like eating off the street and dirty and unclean. And then, you know, the king invites him to the palace and washes, washes him and, you know, gives him yeah. nice clothes. And, yeah. And some people say, "Wow, you're such a you know, wonderful person." Especially, and this uh, mercy. I'm a case of mercy. <laughs> mercy <Yeah>. case. <laughs> Just been pulled off this pulled off the street. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, the first question actually goes right back to that same verse. So, verse seven fourteen explains that the material energy is very difficult to overcome. Explain why this is and how we can overcome it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically I had the, pretty much the, uh, I guess the verse from 714 actually says that. It's this divine energy of mine and consisting of the three modes of material nature is difficult to overcome, but those who have surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. So, um, it really states the, the answer to all this in the purport itself. Um, talking about that. Uh, the, <clears throat> I don't know how long this purport is. I don't want to really have to read the whole thing. It's a pretty long purport. Like one, one, is, one question, part of that question was like, why is that yeah, so? Yeah, why is that so? And I remember reading this. It was like, I was trying to... Um, I should have put that... I have the answer to that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would, I would say that it's essentially because we're Krishna's marginal energy. Like, essentially, when we are in contact with the material energy, we become covered. So our original superior power is covered. Uh, Krishna cannot be covered. But we can. And that's why it's, it's so difficult to overcome. Is that we become covered, we become influenced by Maya. And the three modes of material nature are having its having its way with us. <clears throat> yeah, but you gotta consider too that Maya is Krishna's energy. So Krishna's energy is covering us. Right. Krishna's energy. So in order for that covering to go away we have to go to the source yeah, so of the energy. Words, in other words, it's meant to cover us. It's meant to. And it's, it's from the powerhouse, Krishna. <laughs> like, this is a so, good point. Yeah. This is a really good point. So that that in <clears throat> itself is just like Crazy, like very powerful. It's like if Krishna wants us to be covered, then we'll be covered. Yeah, right. you can't do anything about that. So, really so the right. only way to get out surrender. is to go to the source and, and surrender. surrender. And surrender, mm-hmm. surrender, totally surrender. Yep. Yeah. Give up all that you think you are. But in a weird way, it's also it's also really sweet because it's Krishna that's covering us. Exactly. Think about it for a yeah. second. What? <laughs> yeah. It's actually it's a mind twister. It it's actually really sweet. It's like the father who is giving the child space and the child thinks that okay, I have my space and the child runs into maybe some problems, but the father is there giving him space, watching. I feel like this is Krishna. Right. So here we are we're struggling and all these things, but ultimately Krishna knows therefore there there's a there's a greater good. There's a reason for that. So until the, until the yeah. child turns around like yeah. Daddy. yeah. So, <laughs> it's genius. It's it's yeah. genius. Yeah. Because it's not it's not 
How is it that it was presented like it was presented in the world, like in, in, in the church growing up, it was presented in such a way where it was like this duality, this this duality, this equal this equal force that was just uh, as powerful as God. Or more. Or actually more. more. It was more powerful than more. God. Because more people seem to be influenced <laughs> by it. his power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more so caught up in this in this web. And so and that yeah. power can ultimately win too. Yeah. Because you can end up going to hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that so, dark force can actually overcome it's very powerful. God's uh, yeah. mercy and his loving energy. Exactly. Which is a little bit it's twisted. <laughs> it's, it's completely twisted. Yeah. yeah. So. Krishna, Krishna is known as Yogeshwara, so he's a master of all mystic power. Yeah. So this is this material energy is a display of his mysticism. Which is cool. He's the master so, magician. Yeah. yeah. And then even Krishna, like in, in, in Krishna's pastimes, he's looking at some of these situations, like the Agastya demon is like twelve miles long or something. And he's wow. looking at he's looking at this display. It's the external energy, and he's marveling at it. Hmm. There's that pastime where that devotee asked Prabhupada, he says, you know, if if we're to be if we're ultimately to be free from this Maya, then why is Maya so powerful? He asked us, why why does Krishna make Maya so powerful if we're supposed to overcome Maya? And Prabhupada's famous response is, Maya is not powerful. Your purpose is weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Your, your purpose is not strong. He said, why is my so strong? He says, your purpose is not strong. So, <laughs> so in other words, like we want to, we want to enjoy Maya. Right. So that's why it's so he, strong. He's giving himself away in that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's the spiritual <laughs> master. You can great. see beyond the, beyond the thing. Yeah. Gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's talk about a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, gosh, that's such a genius way to answer that. I finally found what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, please. Um, <coughs> I think I screwed up. I'm still working with my Kindle here and I think I screwed up. Never mind. I saw it. Uh-huh. I moved something else. So, sorry. These digital things they can... Yeah, it just because here it's... There. Well, the problem <laughs> is is that, that all, I have all of Prophet's pre-1978 books downloaded on this thing. A, a good portion of them. Sri Bhagavatam. whole Sri Bhagavatam. Oh, the problem is with this is it's all just text. Yeah. It's kind of out of order. Ah, I see. And so it's kind of weird to kind of navigate through. So okay. One, I was at the end of that report. That's what I was talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, actually, I may have. I may have what you're looking for. So he was yeah. quoting um, Svetas Vatar Upanishad. Yeah. Um, the phrase "Tam Eva Vidva," or freedom is possible only by understanding Krishna. Even Lord Shiva affirms that liberation can be achieved only by the mercy of Vishnu. Lord Shiva says, Muti, Pradatta, Sarvesham, Vishnu, Eva, Na, Samsaya. There is no doubt that Vishnu is a deliverer of liberation for everyone. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Kind of what I'm looking for, yeah. Okay. I was, I was, um, yeah, never mind. No, but it was, it was, it was on the last part of the report in uh, the, ta- the uh, verse of 14. Okay. <clears throat> last part it was in the last paragraph of the report. And it actually breaks it down and uh, talking about the classes of, 
breaking it down and saying that surrender is the only yeah. way to, yeah. Mm. That is said in a way. Surrender unto the lotus feet of the, of yeah, the Lord. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, feet was, of the Lord is the only means to get free from the clutches of the stringent. Right, exactly. I was going to say yeah. that was the answer I was looking for. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that another reason why it's a little difficult is because we have this stubborn desire to want to exploit the material energy. So yeah. it's, it's our own it's our own ignorance. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. As long as as long as we don't want to surrender, we're gonna struggle. We're gonna get beat up by the waves of, of, of the material nature. Yeah. Of the modes, like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of the difference between um, accepting and embracing our Maya, mm-hmm. and in wishing that we weren't influenced by it. Yeah. And that's kind of the difference of attitude. Yeah. Like we can we can acknowledge I'm not a pure devotee I'm still influenced by modes in this way, yeah. but I want to be free from it. Yeah. So that's called that's what Prabhupada referred to as sincerity, as opposed to I I want to enjoy my Maya and I want to embrace it and actually think it's okay. You can kind of see you can see the difference in the attitude. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know Prabhupada would emphasize that attitude is really the the key factor in terms of advancement in Krishna consciousness the attitude of the, of the follower you know this idea that we can somehow conquer Maya by our own works or by our own yeah. strength even that is is ignorance yeah. um, you know and, and so counter, counterintuitive to the mood of, 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 of humility and surrender so I think the devotee recognizes and understands that it is only by Krishna's mercy that we can make any kind of advancement so. well it's interesting because le- leading up to that verse Krishna yeah. is saying that he's saying like you're, you're reading mm-hmm. um, I'm the intelligence of the intelligent and the prowess of all powerful men I am the strength of the strong yeah. right. so Krishna is leading up to that point where you know my, my, my insurmountable material energy <coughs> he's the strength so he's giving strength so how can we overcome Krishna, who's the giver of strength, mm. that this is, is his divine mystic potency. Yeah. So kind of like what you were, yeah. you were saying. Um, <coughs> Nati Sadanta Sarasvati told a story about. I don't, I don't think it was in relation to this, but I always think it in relation to this about fighting with the sky. Mm. How this like strong man wanted to fight with the sky, and so he got his boxing gloves. And, <laughs> he's gonna go at it and he's like punching in the sky and he ends up like falling down exhausted the idea is, is like like to think that like the jiva to think that they can overcome Maya yeah. Yeah. it's like <laughs> fighting with the sky the strong man trying to fight with the sky yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> wow yeah that's a good analogy that's definitely it no matter how big or how strong you are you can't defeat the sky yeah yeah right you got a little puffed up. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so explain a little about the four types of person who do not surrender to the Lord. Um, well, that's in the 15th purport. The yeah. purport 15. So it talks about the mudhas who are grossly foolish, hardworking beasts of burden. Um, they want to enjoy the fruits of their labor by themselves. Prabhupada compares them to the to the ass, who is essentially has no idea why they're working so hard day in and day out. But as long as they get a little grass in their stomach, a little bit of sense gratification, then they're good. 
Um, <clears throat> and then you talk, and then he talks about the dushkritis, or the you know these are the naradamas, or the lowest of mankind. Um, so he he talks a little bit about them here, and let's see. Those who are socially and politically developed, who have no religious principles, must be considered naradamas. Nor is religion without God religion, because the purpose of following religious principles is to know supreme truth and man's relation with Him. Um, yeah. So it talks about that for a little bit here. <clears throat> see what else I can say. How many did you say? Two so far. You got any more? Yeah, there's. Uh, it's all in there's the report. Gro uh, yeah. The grossly foolish person, yeah. the lowest of mankind, the. How do you say that? Diluted. Word? Diluted. Deluded. Diluted. Diluted. Speculators and the professed atheists. No. <laughs> yeah. Those are the four. The yeah, and then he he has them by different classes, like the douchekritis. The Mayaya Par Parata Gyanaha. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Or those persons whose erudite knowledge has been nullified by the influence of illusory material energy. They are mostly very learned fellows, great philosophers, poets, scientists, etc., but the illusory energy misguides them, and therefore they disobey the Supreme Lord. And the Dushkritis, the Asuram Bhavam. Ashritaha, or those of demonic principles. This class is openly atheistic, as, as you said. <coughs> yeah, I like it. It's in the verse itself, too. I mean, it's really broken down for you guys. Mysticals who are grossly foolish, who are the lowest among mankind, whose knowledge is stolen by illusion. I love that. Mm. And who partake of the atheistic nature of demons and do not surrender unto them. So. It's interesting that he says the word. And he says the word and and so in other words, the way that I take that is generally they're kind of at least they have some of all of these qualities. Mm -hmm. Like oftentimes yeah. they go together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like say for instance, those who are um, like foolish speculators, yeah. like, they also. You know, there also are duskritis, because duskriti basically means disregard religious principles. Duskritis, yeah. So then they're also probably grossly foolish, because they're probably working really hard for yeah. some material benefit. Yeah. And they're probably at least have some atheistic energies. So these kind of go together. Kind of works mm -hmm. together. A combination of all those. Yeah. yeah. Some may have more than another, or some may little realization in some areas but yeah more or less they come as a package <laughs> yeah <clears throat> okay so explain the four types of people persons who do surrender to the lord and that's in 716 at least in the verse oh best among the baratas four kinds of pious men begin to render a devotional service unto me the distressed the desire of wealth, the inquisitive, and he who is searching for knowledge of the absolute. Now, of course, he breaks it down in those type of things. Now, in the seven uh, in seven seventeen purport, it explains a little further. By uh, part of that purport says, 
free from all contaminations of material desires of the distressed, the inquisitive, the penniless, and the seeker, after supreme knowledge, can all become pure devotees. But out of them, he who is in knowledge of the absolute truth and free from all material desires becomes a really pure devotee to the Lord. And of the four orders, the devotee who is in full knowledge and is at the same time engaged in devotional service is, the Lord says, the best. So. Yes. <laughs> I think Prabhupada says um, that they're more or less they're, they're pure because they're not um, completely pure, but they have more or less pure intentions. Like the one who's distressed, they, they want to be free from distress. They want liberation. Those who want wealth, they want to be opulent and wealthy. And those who are curious, um, they have some like mental satisfaction they're seeking. And those who are seeking the truth, it reminds me of um, Kai. Yeah. Kai, because like, like, actually when we asked him that, yeah, when we asked him, like, what, why are you doing it? He says, I want to know the truth. And like he's very sincere. Yeah. He's like, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm I have these books now, and I'm coming. Here. I want to know. He's reading with his pastor for hours. Yeah. Every Thursday. But no you know, if he keeps an, an open mind, he keeps on coming with devotees, and he's really seeking the truth. Yeah. Then um, Krishna will will help him. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely motivational. I looked, when I read this, I looked back on my own. You know, self. I was looking about that, and a lot of that, I guess, I fell in the lines of being, you know, kind of, uh, you know, distressed. I guess, uh, in some ways. Yeah. But I was always very inquisitive, and and even when I was a little kid, you know, we had a we had a we had a Bible in the house. Everybody had a Bible in the house, you know, a King James version of the Bible, you know, something mm-hmm. else. And I would, I as a kid, I mean, I did this when I was like seven, eight years old. I was grabbing out of the Bible, and I was reading from it because I was curious. I was, something was telling me I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more than what was in, I was seeing with my eyes, my senses. You know, there's got to be something else. And uh, so I would ask my dad all these questions all the time. You know, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, and so that's when they decided to send me to Sunday school. <laughs> so my dad got me nice as well. <laughs> had all these questions. But it was, it was kind of interesting, though, because I've always had that. So I was always very inquisitive about all these things. I think it's the reason I... I majored in philosophy and religious studies because I was so always wanting to know, you know, and searching for truth. And finally, I says, you know what? One day, I just just said, I'm going to forget everything that I I thought I knew. Just give it up. God, give me the truth. What is it? Yeah. Who are you? I want to get to know who you are. I want to know, get to know this. Da da da. I had to just drop it all, you know. Do you see that underlying drive? And I got that same thing from Kai because I was saying, yeah. he was like, he was saying that this is like, I said, was it satisfying to you? He says, it is partially. And then he's like, he's realizing there's something missing. Yeah. But why is he realizing there's something missing? Because he, he has, as a soul, he's made more conscious advancement and he knows there's more. Like he just, he doesn't feel fully satisfied. Yeah. It's, like, it's like when you get that really, really nice cake. <laughs> Someone gives you like a little spoon, but the yeah. cake's in the other room, and you know that cake's in the other room. <laughs> you want more of that cake. And it was like, there's more. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's more. more. It was just, yeah, and that's exactly, <laughs> I can certainly relate yeah. to that feeling. You would though, use the analogy. You know, because that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. Yeah. There was always something missing. Right. 
always something missing. Now I kept I kept going back to chanting holy names when I, once I did that all the time because I'd fall back to that every single time. But I wanted more of that. But at the time I didn't know where to go to do that because there wasn't devotees in the seventies here. Yeah, you know there wasn't anybody steady. So I didn't really know what to do, you know. And I kept searching. So I went to Buddhism, went to this, went to that, Sufism, and all kinds of things, Christianity, just trying to find. Your search for God. Yeah, search for God. It's constantly searching all the time and so finally when I finally started to really read you know uh, Bhagavad Gita Mr. Bhavatam <coughs> hearing devotees hearing devotees it's like a light got turned on it's like oh. and it has to be triggered by the devotees oh, yes that's exactly. the thing because you can't do it on your own because we've had experience where people will read books but in kind of a separatist mood yeah with some false pride they don't get it they, they, don't, can, they can read the whole Bhagavatam they don't get it yeah. I was getting pieces and bits I wanted more but I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting because you got to hear it and Krishna's yeah. very clear on that point yeah. too yeah very clear the whole guna rope thing it talks about that too you know yeah you, you know there's one that's liberated who's that that's Krishna who else that's his devotees I mean what's the point of trying to get knowledge from someone else who's bound yeah exactly. it's not going to do anything no you're bound yet you're trying to extract this it's not so it's not so easy it, Krish, you know in my experience on, on my journey in Krishna consciousness I realized that Krishna is not so cheap he's not so cheap no and, he, and then I love this about Krishna I love that he literally says I am what, what, what's that verse when he says I am forgetfulness too yeah, yeah. I love that he says that at oh, first yeah. when I heard that verse I had no idea how to make sense of that I'm like, what does he mean, I forgetfulness? Why would he want to make anyone forget anything? And see, those are the things you which you can't, you can't understand unless you switch up the devotion yes. and explain to you. Exactly. Because you, you just can't. Because if you're going to do that outside, you're well, what the heck is that? Yeah. And we're used to relying on our own mind and intelligence. So someone who's approaching the, these books like that, it, it doesn't work. And like Prabhupada is emphasizing that in these mm-hmm. books too. Well, it's coming from a conditioned way of looking at things. Yeah. You can't possibly, your intelligence is still like we Intelligence is still kind of like. We have PhDs, right? Yeah. Well, it's like that. What was that? That thing that said, I don't know, he said it many times about the. the, We're naturally, our our consciousness is pure water, like clear water. But because we get conditioned in the Maya, it becomes muddied. So we've got to have somebody help us filter that mud animal. Uh You know, we just can't do it on our own. Yeah. You know, we've got to make an effort, of course, but I mean, it's just like. Once you do, and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, it makes a real difference. Yeah. But the thing is, you've got to let go of all your false ego and all your other junk. <laughs> That's you know, the hard part. You get to that point to allow that information to just absorb inside you and surrender to it. To it. Yeah. And I think that's a big key that, that you know, because you talk to people that come here on Sundays and, the, and you know, they, they got all this you know, high ideas of what they're thinking and stuff like that. Bless their hearts, but they just, they're like that. And yeah, you're, you're, you're there searching, you know, and you're thinking, but however, it's all still muddied. Yeah. It's all coming from that muddy perspective. Yeah. And until they surrender to the idea, when you, we talk to them or whatever, someone's like, well, I don't believe that. Well, okay, that's cool. Yeah. You don't have to believe it, but does it make it not true, <laughs> you know, or does it make it not real? Um, it's like, you know, you talk to people, you can say, let's say a person that the sky has always been cloudy. <clears throat> They've never seen a clear blue sky before. 
you know, you try to explain to them, well, you know, beyond it's that, there's, it's, it's, there's a blue sky. No. There's no blue sky beyond that. It's just this. Right. It's never been that. Right. You know? But in reality, it's a blue sky. No matter how much they want to see or believe that it's not, you know, yeah. it still doesn't negate the fact that that's, it's not a blue sky. So kind of the same type of thing. When Govinda Mana was talking about humility and how, like, false ego blocks learning. It does. Because yeah. to the degree... To the degree one has false ego, to that degree they can't learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, have to, you have to open yourself up yeah. to receiving. I mean, that involves trust. But oftentimes people, they just have really strong trust in their own mind and senses. And like yeah. a really strong false Because they've ego. invested so much into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Well, it's, when, when I see those cases, it usually goes back to that person was at one point very humble and very open and all this stuff and someone really hurt them. Yeah. That's, and they yeah. just kind of like, okay, it's just me, myself, yeah. and I. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to happen. Very, very that's going to happen in this world because absolutely. we're all yeah. cheaters and the cheating and, and this is what's going on. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just a world full of that. And, that, and that's a little that. different. Those, those, they actually have a chance of, of regaining trust. Yeah. But there's those who just really hold on oh, to yeah. a belief that you know, that they have, they already know, and like yeah. you were saying, you know, they already have their mind made up. Yeah, it's like it's hard to it's hard it's hard to get reach them, and that's yeah. really one of our biggest challenges as you know. Well, they have to crash and burn them, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like they just have to hit a wall, and it's good for them. Yeah. It's good for all of us that we it hit is. a wall. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Eventually, someone will have to hit a wall. And then, and then some, there's some crack to they can allow. Now they can allow it. Yeah. Something impartially. Yeah. Or you can just push them away. <laughs> 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 you lose your energy. That's taken care of. That's all right. That's what That's taken care of. Maya takes care of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, she doesn't need our help. No, no. She doesn't. Crisis, crisis is the biggest opportunity for preachers. <coughs> yeah. Personal crisis and oh, collective yeah. crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, a, that's how I met this It girl. leaves a crack in the false ego to be able to implant the seed of bhakti. Yeah. 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 And that's what yes. we're really trying to. I guess, like for a preacher, it's like. Exactly. Like it's like, yeah. You know, yeah. the lights go off and yeah. now it's time, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go in. Definitely. <laughs> Mosquitoes are, are getting me we're too. Getting you too. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, they've been they've yeah been more crazy. The rain. But Krishna says right in the fourth chapter, Tadbidi Pani Patina Pri Prashnina Say Upadakshanti Tekyanam Gyaninam Tapadarshina. Try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Um, submit humbly, render service. Humbly inquire, render service. Self-realized souls, they can impart knowledge because they have seen the truth. So right there, he's saying that 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 says it all. And a mood of humility, <laughs> inquire and render service. Right. Yeah. And then one can receive the blessings and the knowledge. Right. So it, it's, a, it's a spiritual transaction. But, but because we're conditioned, we think it's a, like a mental and, and a psychological, intellectual transaction. Yeah. It's, mm. it's actually, that, that can assist us, but ultimately it's a, mm-hmm. it's a spiritual transaction. Because it can assist us or it can get in the way. Yeah. yeah. It's malleable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's true. It's like a tool. It's like a neutral tool, yeah. like the mind and the intelligence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. That's 
true, but that's true for the, of, of the subtle body we were, we were talking about that the other day. I, I love I love that um, that verse because it doesn't get any clearer than that. Humility is the key. I feel like all the words and all the realizations are like fragmented until yeah. one actually truly just humbles themselves. And there's an interesting thing to that because I remember um, I was at uh, a Tibetan Buddhist temple up in up in Prescott, and of course. Tibetan Buddhists, they do a lot of bowing, a lot of prostrations. Mm. That's part of their whole thing because they do a lot of that humility type yeah. of thing. They do th- uh, there's some of them that do thousands. They do whole pilgrimages. They'll, they'll go thousands of miles and they're just prostrating the whole time. Mm. And it's just an amazing thing to see it. Um, but anyway, um, I remember uh, we took a couple of friends of ours up to the Tibetan Buddhist temple and all this prostrations going on and I'm doing it too, you know. And they're laughing. They're laughing at all these people prostrating. And I'm thinking, and then they say, well, why are you doing all this bowing stuff? I, you know, maybe I could kind of get a part of this, but all this bowing stuff, why are you doing that? It's humility. That's to do with being humble. You know, before the Buddha, before the, the Lamas, before your teachers, you know. And before, you know, that you're, you're nothing. You know, you're nothing here, you know. And they just couldn't understand that. No. They just totally thought, well, so again, it goes again that type of false ego that just stops them. Boom, right there. That's actually a definition of anartha. They take something valuable to be yeah. not valuable. They take what's not valuable to be valuable. That's yeah. an anartha. Ar- well, artha means like like value. It means uh, like wealth. Right. So anartha means like basically like worth. It means worth like an unwanted thing. Mm-hmm. So like like they're taking like you're taking humility to be very valuable. You're taking it to be artha. <clears throat> But they're taking it to be anartha. Right. Yeah. But actually, what the pride is an anartha. Right. Yeah. But they're taking it to be like prestigious. Prestige, yeah. And like right. valuable. So it's, right. to them, it's artha. Yeah, there's whole, <laughs> you know, there's whole uh, workshop, uh, there's whole uh, uh, retreats that they do, just, just prostration retreats. And you're doing a thousand and eight prostrations. Mm-hmm. So you're just, and these are full prostrations, they're not just bowing down, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was, yeah. So it's like, it's tiring. <laughs> but it's a great workout. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn. But anyway, yeah. But that humility, yeah, is, is, is just laughed at it. I just was so, like, just so bizarre. Yeah, for a materialist, spiritual things seem like really strange. <laughs> even, even the definition of humility in, in this material world is something completely different. It is. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't mean yeah. humility in, in, in the proper mode of humility. I don't think humility yeah. is not even value. No, it's not a value. Real humility can't because people yeah. can't understand what real humility looks like. Yeah. There is a, there is a conception of humility in this material world, and it's not humility. And it kind of means yeah. that you allow yourself to be trampled on or something. Or right? yeah, 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 something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's what they how they equate that. It's. It, like you're kind of like weak, like you're weak. You're weak and weak. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's 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 humble of me to be humble, but sometimes it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like I give money to this doctor, this hospital, and it's considered that's that's humility. Like you you don't you don't even understand what my motive was in giving, but because just because of the act of giving the charity. Sure. It's, some people will look at that as, as an act of humility. Right, yes. 
Which it can be. It, it, can, it, it be. can be somewhat, but you know, but it's just <laughs> the way the way no, it's if used. No, it if it was humility, then you wouldn't know about it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, That's what I mean. The way it's used yeah. in this material world, it's just another reason for someone to pat themselves on the back. Right. And I remember when we did all those frustrations and we were doing those, I, I never, in my mind, at least I don't know how I wrote in my mind, I never looked at it as, oh, look at me doing all those frustrations. Yeah. I'm being so great. I'm being so right. nice. I never just that way. I did because I really felt it. You know, in a sense of... You understood that. I understood that sense, but... Uh-huh. That's what. That's why it was so easy. It was like that. Yeah. All that stuff was like priming you for Christian crushes. Absolutely. I look back <laughs> on it now and I'm like, wow. It really was. I, I mean, that's that crazy. You worked at a slaughterhouse. For forty-five what? minutes. Forty-five. Well, about yeah. I was in there about yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. Well, the whole process took about forty-five minutes. It probably was wow. not even working more than four and a half an hour. And then I, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Goodness, my goodness. I couldn't do it. Crazy. Yeah. That's right. what got me a little video of a slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah. What really got me was the 